When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. You remember that time Republicans said they couldn't stop Democratic spending if they were a minority in Congress, so conservatives elected them to a majority? You remember that time the Republicans said they couldn't stop Democratic spending if they were a minority in the Senate, so conservatives elected them to a majority? Do you remember that time Republicans said they couldn't stop Democratic spending if they didn't have the White House, since the president could just use the bully pulpit to blame Republicans for a government shutdown, so conservatives elected Trump president? Yeah, Republicans were lying. Republicans now have the opportunity to pass continuing funding for the federal government through the budget process. This would be an excellent time to make approval of funding contingent on defunding of various Democratic priorities. After all, if Democrats attempt to shut down the government, presumably President Trump can rail against them by publicly blaming them for harming Americans, just like Obama did to Republicans. But that's not what's happening. As Daniel Horowitz writes at Conservative Review, Senate Republicans have not only guaranteed Democrats they will give them all the policies and spending levels in the budget bill, but they will also jettison the president's request for a supplemental spending bill for construction of the border wall, along with spending offsets. So, what kind of garbage are Republicans funding this time in order to avoid a government shutdown fight? You remember the same kind of fight they said a minority party could never win back in 2013 when Ted Cruz tried to defund Obamacare? First... They're going to keep funding for Planned Parenthood. So five minutes ago, President Trump was tweeting about how the Freedom Caucus had maintained federal funding for Planned Parenthood by not going along with Trump Care. Now we learn that according to The Hill, Paul Ryan, quote, sought to avoid another political landmine on Tuesday by arguing that language defunding Planned Parenthood should be kept out of the spending legislation. He now says instead he wants to defund Planned Parenthood through reconciliation. So do it, Speaker Ryan. What is stopping you aside from your own political cowardice? Second, they said that they're going to keep funding for Obamacare. So Republicans had time after time during the Obama administration that it, if they kept funding continuing budget resolutions, they'd be funding Obamacare. Now the Republicans control the whole process and they're still going to fund Obamacare. Why? Because the Democrats might shut down the government. Senator Dick Durbin said that Republicans would be blamed for a shutdown because they control all the branches of the government. But we were told by Republicans that minority parties shutting down the government damages minority parties. So what the hell? Finally, Apparently, they're not going to fund the Trump wall. Republicans now say they won't provide the $3 billion of funding requested by the Trump administration to build a border wall, which was, of course, Trump's top campaign promise. They won't do it because they're afraid of Democratic filibuster. Of course. So it appears that the new standard for Republicans is that the government must never shut down under any circumstances, which doesn't actually make them very different from Democrats, does it? I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Okay, so I have a lot to get to today. I'm going to begin today with the meltdown in the Democratic Party, the kind of self, the self-immolation of the Democratic Party. But then we have to get to the self-immolation of the Republican Party, which is twice as dramatic and twice as unacceptable, considering that they're the majority party in Congress and they have the presidency. So we'll start with the Democrats, who for some reason have decided to rush headlong over the Gorsuch cliff. So right now, polls show that two to one Americans think that Judge Gorsuch ought to get an up or down vote on the Supreme Court. Now, to be fair, polls showed that people thought that Merrick Garland should get an up or down vote on the Supreme Court. But Republicans weren't damaged by that because nobody really cares all that much. I don't think people care all that much about the Gorsuch thing. The real problem here is not the public opinion polls. The real problem for Democrats is that if they use the filibuster on Gorsuch, and Republicans then nuked the filibuster. Next time Trump comes back with the swing vote, let's say Anthony Kennedy resigns, 
and suddenly Trump has that fifth vote on the Supreme Court, Democrats will have already nuked the filibuster, so they will have no option but to basically sit there and whine. So what they would be smarter off doing is saying, look, Gorsuch is a good consensus nominee. We'll pass him through. And then next time, that's when you have the filibuster fight. You say, this is the fifth vote on the Supreme Court. We can't have somebody who's so far right wing. We need somebody who's a consensus pick. That would be the smart politics of the situation, but that's not what they're doing. And that's because everybody on the Democratic side hates Trump so much that they're not even willing to to engage in smart politics in order to hurt him, which is an incredible thing. Here's Chuck Schumer opposing the, the nomination of Judge Gorsuch. That's why he's having trouble earning 60 votes. There was a seismic change after his hearing. There were suspicions about Judge Gorsuch when you look at his early writings and who he hung out with, and particularly that it was on a list that the Heritage Foundation, who most Republicans think is too far to the right, was chosen from that list. He was chosen from <laughs> so that list. Ch- Chuck Schumer, so Chuck Schumer clearly has no idea what he's talking about. He kind of loses his train of thought in the middle there and starts thinking about how nice it would be to be on a beach not talking about Judge Gorsuch because this is a losing issue for Democrats. The Democrats just continue to maintain that Trump is going to fall apart of his own accord. They're not going to have to do anything to push it. And so they may as well just oppose him at every turn. Maxine Waters, whose hair most definitely does not look like James Brown's hair, stopped saying that. Maxine Waters said that Trump doesn't deserve to be president. And so he came to the <laughs> the presidency or with the kind of character and background that made me distrust him, uh, not honor him, and not respect him. And of course, he got the presidency because he was able to get those votes from those few states uh, that put him, made him the winner, rather. And so he's the president of the United States. People are still talking about he's going to change. He's going to become presidential. He has not changed. He is not presidential. As a matter of fact, he's worse now than even he was in the campaign. And I think that he does not deserve to represent us in the world. We are being disrespected. Okay, good luck with this, gang. I mean, if this is their real plan here, their real plan is just that they're going to rail against Trump for the next four years, that would give Republicans a major opportunity. And what would give Republicans even more of an opportunity is the fact that the only real scandal on the table that we actually know about at this point is the intelligence community leaking. So people have talked about this. I mean, I said this ad infinitum at this point. The the fact is that everybody's talking about Trump-Russia, the connections between Trump and the Russian government, supposedly. There hasn't been a shred of evidence right now showing coordination between the Trump team or the Trump campaign and the Russian government. Zero shreds of evidence. Lots and lots and lots of evidence, however, that the Obama intelligence community was widely disseminating information attempting to essentially implicate the Trump team in Russian ties and foreign ties. So... A former Obama intelligence official, this this video has been around for probably three weeks, but now it's sort of being passed around again because of Trump's accusations. This former Obama intelligence official, uh, she's, I guess, a former assistant deputy secretary of defense. Uh, She says that it was clear that in the last days of the Obama administration, she, along with other people, was encouraging a lot of people in the intelligence community to widely disseminate information about President Trump in order to basically make sure that the Trump team didn't come in and destroy it. So here's what she had to say. It's clip 16. It was more actually aimed aimed at telling the Hill people, get as much information as you can, get as much intelligence as you can before President Obama leaves the administration. 
And, uh, and what she actually says there is she says that they raced to basically pump out information on Trump. She said, I had a fear that some that information would disappear when senior Obama people left. So it'd be hidden away in the bureaucracy that Trump folks, if they found out how we knew what we knew about their Trump staff dealing with Russians, that they would try to compromise those sources and methods, meaning we no longer have access to that intelligence. So I became very worried because not enough was coming out into the open and I knew that there was more. We have very good intelligence on Russia. So then I had talked to some of my former colleagues and I knew that they were trying to also get help in for, to, to get information to the Hill. Her name is Evelyn Farkas, and she was the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense under President Obama. So she's basically saying that there was information there, and we were widely trying to disseminate it, specifically with the goal that it would become public. Okay, it would be illegal for all of this unmasking, you know, the unmasking of Mike Flynn, for example, the National Security Advisor. That's actually illegal. You can't just throw out wiretapping information on American citizens even if they were caught up in a foreign wiretap, you can't just throw that information out there and then pretend like nothing bad happened. That is legal violation. Democrats are ignoring a scandal that obviously is real in favor of a scandal that may very well be fake, the Trump-Russia scandal. The Trump administration continues to deny it. So the Democrats really have nothing here. They're basically just hoping that the Republicans set themselves on fire. Fortunately, that's a pretty good bet. So the Republicans have decided that it will be totally worthwhile to set themselves on fire. Uh, President Trump, uh, yesterday, he was he was speaking at the White House with some people. He said, don't worry, health care is going to be easy. I love that he's continuing to say this after the failure of Trump care. It demonstrates a little bit of a disconnect. Here's President Trump. And I know that we're all going to make a deal on health care. That's such an easy one. So I have no doubt that that's going to happen very quickly. I think it will, actually. I think it's going to happen. Because we've all been promising, Democrat, Republican, we've all been promising that to the American people. So I think a lot of good things are going to happen there. Okay, what does Trump actually want to do here? What he actually wants to do here is he wants to come up with some sort of bipartisan plan. So that's not going to happen. Look at, look at Chuck Schumer stalling on Gorsuch, who's a consensus nominee, if ever there was one, got zero votes against him when he was elevated to the appeals court under, under George W. Bush. Here he is saying that he basically wants a consensus plan. And then just to double down on that, today, Donald Trump went to war openly with the Freedom Caucus again. So here's what he tweeted. He tweeted, the Freedom Caucus will hurt the entire Republican agenda if they don't get on the team and fast. We must fight them and Dems in 2018. We must fight them in 2018. The Freedom Caucus, you mean the conservatives, you mean the Tea Party people who are a large constituency in your base? You mean people like Louis Gohmert who openly campaigned for you and Mark Meadows who openly campaigned for you? Those are the people you have to fight? because they voted against Trump care. And Donald Trump is now trying to triangulate. He's trying to do a Bill Clinton, except that he owns the Congress. Okay, Clinton waited until Republicans ran the Congress to triangulate. Trump is preemptively trying to triangulate. The problem is Democrats are not interested in working with President Trump. This follows hard, by the way, on last week's tweet storm targeting the Freedom Caucus over the failure of his Trump care plan. You recall we talked about it at length. He said Democrats are smiling in D.C. that the Freedom Caucus, with the help of Club for Growth and Heritage, have saved Planned Parenthood and O'Care. Now, as you'll recall, five seconds ago, I just told you about how the Trump administration, along with Speaker Ryan, are going to preserve Planned Parenthood funding in the current budget deal because they're afraid of Democrats. So who's preserving Planned Parenthood funding? Oh, that's right. It's the establishment and President Trump. But now it's clear that Trump is trying to go to war with these conservatives, and he's figuring one of two things. One, he can peel off enough conservatives from the Freedom Caucus to vote with him on future bills by threatening them. That didn't work out well last time. Or two, he's figuring that by yelling at the Freedom Caucus, suddenly Democrats will be warmer to him, which is idiocy. The Democrats are not going to work with President Trump. They think that he's vulnerable. They have their boot on his throat, and they figure that he's a 35% approval rating right now. If they just keep demonstrating that he's ineffective and unable to get anything done, he'll be down in the 20s. For Trump, Bannon, 
Reince, Ryan, for all these people to be advising Trump to walk across the aisle to Democrats is just puerile idiocy. It is so stupid. Just mathematically, it's idiotic. Right now, Republicans have 246 votes in Congress. You need 218 in order to have a majority. There are 30 members of the Freedom Caucus. Trump, in that tweet alone, says that he's going to fight Democrats and the Freedom Caucus. Democrats and the Freedom Caucus combined have more than 218 votes. Okay, Democrats, that, that means that Republicans who are not the Freedom Caucus, and this doesn't even include the establishment Republicans who voted against Trump care. Okay, there's another 10 to 15 people. Okay, that, that, right now, Trump is at like 216. At the upper limit, he's at 216, unless he can peel away some of these Freedom Caucus members by screaming at them on Twitter, and they apparently don't care. I mean, if you, if you take a look at how the, uh, a lot of these conservatives are responding. Thomas Massey, a representative from Massachusetts, not technically a member of the Freedom Caucus, but is a very conservative member of Congress. He said, it's a swamp, not a hot tub. We both came here to drain it. Swamp care pulls at 17%. Sad. <laughs> Justin Amash from, from Michigan, he says, it didn't take long for the swamp to drain Trump. No shame, Mr. President. Almost everyone succumbs to the D.C. establishment. And that's basically right. That's basically right. So here's the question. Where do Trump's actual sympathies really lie? Apparently, you know, we were told that they lied with the Mike Pence wing of the party, that they lied, that they lay with the, the Louis Gohmert wing of the party, that when Trump got into office, he'd be an anti-establishment conservative, that, that as my friend Dennis Prager says, he'd be a conservative dream. Here's how this administration is actually broken down. Aside from Judge Gorsuch, which he basically delegated to Mike Pence and the Heritage Foundation to pick, aside from those people, everything that he delegates to his own staffers, like the EPA, Scott Pruitt at the EPA, or Attorney General Sessions at the DOJ, all that stuff is good. Everything that Trump sticks his hands into turns into a mess because Trump is not actually conservative and he has very anti-conservative tendencies, and that is obvious. At least he has Paul Ryan to fall back on, though. Paul Ryan came out today and he said that, and he said that it's going to be the conservatives who force Trump to work with the Democrats, which is Ryan's way of kissing Trump's ass. I, I hate this sort, of, this sort of nonsense. This is a joke, okay? This is basically saying that if Daddy Trump decides to cheat on mommy conservatives with mistress Democrats, that's just because mommy conservatives weren't putting out enough. If mommy conservatives had only been willing to go along with all the, the weird things that, that Daddy Trump wanted to do, then he wouldn't have had to go to Mistress Democrats for a little bit of pleasing outside of the bonds of, the, of holy matrimony. This is just stupid. It's just stupid. And guess who's happy about all of this? Of course, it's Mitch McConnell. So here's Mitch McConnell ripping the Freedom Caucus. I would hate to be a Republican whose vote prevented us from keeping the commitment we've made to the American people for almost 10 years now. And at some point, we'll get down to the final vote. One, you know, the one that, that really counts. And so I'm optimistic that none of my members, in the end, want to be responsible for the status quo on Obamacare. I think the American people would be deeply disappointed that we were prevented from keeping our commitment by Republicans who, in the end, in effect, voted for the status quo. For, for no okay, that's, that's absurd, guess. and Mitch McConnell is a joke, and so is Paul Ryan when they do this routine. The only people who voted for the status quo were the people pushing Trump care, which was Obamacare light. The only good thing in Trump care, as I've said now 1,713 times at last count, the only good thing in this bill was Ryan's proposal to change Medicaid from a, from a, from a need-based grant program to a block grant program. Even that was subject to future change by Congress. Right now, we are being told that Representative Chris Collins says the Tuesday group, which is another group of Republicans in Congress, met last night and agreed they will not meet or work with the Freedom Caucus if they call, just hang up. So in other words, the Freedom Caucus wants to talk about negotiations, and other Republicans are now ostracizing them because they think they're going to work with Democrats. Well done, guys. Just well done. 
This is just genius. I am so glad that you were all able to put together such a wonderful, wonderful administration working with the geniuses like Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. Remember when Donald Trump was anti-establishment? When exactly does he become the establishment when he's ripping on the Freedom Caucus, telling conservatives to go shove it, and telling and talking about how he's going to work with Democrats? Switch Trump's name to Jeb Bush, and y'all would be up in arms. You would. Even you Trump supporters. Switch his name to Jeb Bush, pose exactly the same thing that he's doing right now at the Freedom Caucus, and you'd all be up in arms, and you would have a right to be up in arms, because this is a joke. It is a joke. Jim Jordan, who's a, on the Freedom Caucus, Representative Jordan from Indiana, he says that the, the American Health Care Act is not the Ten Commandments. And this is coming after Ted Poe, a member of the Freedom Caucus, walked, saying that the, the Freedom Caucus would vote against the Ten Commandments. They're now trying to do exactly the same thing Democrats did with conservatives. They're trying to say that conservatives are intransigent purists. Jim Jordan says it's not that we're intransigent purists. It's that the AHCA, Trump Care, was crap. Well, Allison, there's a little bit of difference between the Ten Commandments and a piece of legislation that only 17 percent uh, of the country approves of. So I would just say, look at the four corners of the document. Look at the legislation itself. What did it do? What didn't it do? It didn't repeal Obamacare fully. It didn't lower premiums. It wasn't supported by the Republican Party. Every major conservative organization in the country opposed it, and only 17 percent of the country liked it. So there is, a, frankly, a big difference between the Ten Commandments and a piece of legislation that only 17 percent of the country approves of. Let's fix that legislation. Mm -hmm. Let's do what the president said. Let's get, a, let's get a deal put together, but one that accomplishes what we were sent here to accomplish. That's always been our focus. That continues to be our focus. And we're going to be hard at work making sure we accomplish that. So how's all this working across the aisle, working out for Trump? As I said at the top of the show, Republicans are now caving on his Trump wall. They're not even funding his Trump wall in order to get through a budget resolution. You think the Freedom Caucus would have gone along with that? Of course they wouldn't have. The Freedom Caucus would have been the people calling for the wall funding. But those people are being excised by President Trump in favor of Democrats Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. Just disgusting. Well, before we continue on here, and I want to talk about the media and how they are continuing to... to go crazy over just absolute silly, stupid nonsense. I first want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Birch Gold. So if you are somebody who wants to invest in precious metals right now, you're looking at the economy thinking to yourself, I'm not sure where, which way this thing is going to go. And if you're worried about threats from abroad, if you're worried about the instability in financial markets in Europe, then now would be a good time to put some of your money in gold. And the way to do that is to call my friends up at birchgold.com slash Ben. You go to birchgold.com slash Ben. You can get a comprehensive 16-page free kit that tells you how gold and silver can protect your assets and your savings, how you can move your IRA or 401k into precious metals. You should always have part of your portfolio in precious metals. I certainly do. Ask all your questions, get all your answers, and then when you're ready to invest in precious metals, talk to my friends over at Birch Gold Group. Again, they have lots of five-star ratings. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. They are the people you're going to trust with your gold investment, birchgold.com slash Ben. Okay, so I want to talk about the media's attempts to tear down Trump, not on the basis, and, and the Republicans, not on the basis of their obvious incompetence, which is actually what's happening, but on the basis of just absolute nonsense. But for that, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com. I want to talk about this Pence thing where they're trying to rip down Pence over the awful, awful news that he only likes to eat alone with his wife, not other women, as opposed to Bill Clinton, who only likes to eat alone with other women, not his wife. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll also get to the mailbag. And if you want to be part of the mailbag today, then you need to subscribe. Go to dailywire.com right now and check it out. $8 a month gets you a subscription. Annual subscription gets you a free signed copy of Michael Knowles' best-selling book, Reasons to Vote Democrat, a comprehensive guide. Sure, it's blank, but it's the best gag gift that you'll ever give anyone. It has sold tens of thousands of copies. Uh, my quote is on the front. It says, thorough. 
Um, you can get a free signed copy of Knowles' book when you go over to dailywire.com right now, get an annual subscription. The Shapiro store should be coming within the next month. I know I keep saying that, but don't worry. My promises are good. I'm like politicians. It will happen. Uh, so we will make sure that that happens. Dailywire.com to become a subscriber. Or if you just want to listen to the show later, go to iTunes or SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a rating over at iTunes. We always appreciate it. This is the largest conservative podcast in the nation. <laughs> Okay, so the, the Sean Spicer, as we mentioned yesterday, has been getting in all sorts of hot water with the press because he said to April Ryan over at American Urban Radio Networks that she should stop shaking her head. So I had our folks pull a montage of all the times that Barack Obama chided reporters, and yet no one seemed to care about it at all. Here's Barack Obama and his officials chiding reporters. I got to give you credit, Major, for how you craft those, uh, those questions. For the, the notion that I'm content as I celebrate with... American citizens languishing in Iranian jails? Major, that, that's nonsense. And you should know better. But I appreciate you shouting out a question since I'm sure there are a lot of other colleagues of yours who would want to do the same. Let me finish my answers next time we're doing that. All right. I'm not going to telegraph changes in the days and weeks ahead. You've been saying one that way or the for, other for a couple of years now. We, so we, there, we have a range of options at our nothing. disposal, Brad. I'm not going to get into decisions no. that haven't yet been made. That and you, you can look. That. You can shake your head in disgust about it, the answer. It's all too you want. late for that. You have no time left. You might feel I'm not going to telegraph something. That you and the Associated Press might feel that it's too late. The Secretary of State, John Kerry, does not feel that it's too late to continue to try to find a political solution to this conflict. Okay, that last one is amazing, right? Shake your head and you can sit there and shake your head in disgust. Where was the talk of racism? I mean, that, that reporter was obviously of minority status. Why wasn't the State Department press secretary right there a racist for saying, you can sit there and shake your head all you want? That's exactly what Sean Spicer said to April Ryan, like almost word for word. And yet the media lose their mind over Sean Spicer. Here's Mika Brzezinski from MSNBC saying something is deeply, deeply wrong with Sean Spicer. Yesterday yes. I was questioning uh, Sean Spicer's credibility because right. I really think it's at risk, in jeopardy or shot. If you really think about it and you go through kind of a timeline, um, now you might want to add questioning his stability uh, in yesterday's prep brief. Oh, did you see him yesterday? Yeah. He kind of snapped. Kind of um, sounded like man. I think things are getting in his head. Yeah. Um, it sounded like man. Okay. And, okay. Sorry. Stop it there. Anyone who uses the word mansplaining without scoffing at the same time is an idiot by definition. Okay. It sounded like mansplaining. Really, was that State Department secretary mansplaining? Is that what was going on there? Was there a lot of mansplaining going on when he was talking to another man? This is such stupidity. But the, the women at The View, you know, you, you wonder why it turns out that people don't like feminists. One of the reasons that they don't like modern feminists is because modern feminists pretend that they're all strong and gung-ho. And then it turns out that if you tell them stop shaking their head because they're being jerks, they can't handle it and they all lose their mind. Here are the panelists on The View saying that Sean Spicer is worse than Satan because he told April Ryan to stop shaking her head. If the president puts Russian salad dressing on his salad tonight, somehow that's a Russian connection. I'm sorry that that disgusts you. You're shaking your head. At some point, April, you're going to have to take no for an answer with respect to whether or not there was collusion. It seems like you're hell-bent on trying to make sure that whatever image you want to tell about this White House stays. Because at the end of the day, the let me answer. I understand. Okay. But you know what? You're asking me a question, and I'm going to answer it, which is the president. I'm sorry. Please stop shaking your head again. 
Why does he act like... Get in here, Kizzy! <laughs> you know? Is she, is, she, is she five? I mean, this is, what, this is not how you... But why does he act like he's, like he's on trial? You notice that? Because he is. He's very Because he's on defense. He's, he's on defense. To, I mean, he has to make sense of all this ridiculousness and make it look like he actually cares. Yeah. Yeah, I don't well, know Well, he's playing him. only to Trump. Trump is watching, because that's what he does. He watches television. It's his job security. But, so, but so, is, so he's talking to yeah. Trump. But you here's know? my question. Russian salad dressing. <laughs> yeah. He was being cute. Yeah, well, this is my point about being funny. Yeah. Because all of these journalists are talking about real stuff. Right. These are real Okay, we can stop it there, but Spicer's a nut, and Spicer's terrible, and how dare he... You wonder why Spicer is going a little crazy. One of the reasons Spicer is going a little crazy is because the media have totally decided that they are going to be super aggressive with Spicer in a way they weren't with Obama. And I'm fine with the aggression, by the way, against Spicer. I'm fine with the aggression against Trump. I just don't know where it went for eight years under Obama. Or rather, I do know exactly where it went for eight years under Obama, and it's not a pretty picture. Just an example of the media disconnect. Okay, Jim Acosta at CNN asks if Trump is detached from reality. If you couple that comment with the comment on healthcare, it being the easy one to get that done, it just—it sounds like I, he's detached. You probably have heard this and come across this notion that he's just detached from reality in making those comments. What? Okay, detached from reality. Now, here are some of the questions that Barack Obama was asked on his last day in office as he left a world in flames. Here are, the, here are some of the members of the media asking him some of those tough questions. We've seen a lot of achievements over the past eight years, including signing hate crime protection legislation, don't ask, don't tell, we feel, marriage equality nationwide, and ensuring transgender people feel visible and respected. How do you think LGBT rights will rank uh, in terms of uh, your accomplishments and your legacy? And how confident are you that Congress will endure or continue under the president-elect? Thank you very much. You have said that you would come back to fight for the dreamers. You said that a couple of weeks ago. Are you fearful for the status of those dreamers, the future of the young immigrants and all immigrants in this country with a new administration? Thank you, Mr. President. I want to ask you about your conversations with the president-elect. Were you able to use that opportunity to convince him to take a fresh look and some of the important ideas that you will leave. Uh, okay, we stop it there. I mean, it's just the, the ask history is so over the top. They actually had to surgically remove the press's lips from Obama's rump as he left the Oval Office. It's just amazing. And, and you wonder why Spicer's angry. That's why Spicer is angry. Now, speaking of people blowing things way out of control uh, in the press, the, the big hubbub today is about Mike Pence. It's just terrible. It's just terrible. So it turns out there was this report, and according to the Washington Post, we know that Karen Pence, who is Mike Pence's wife, they are very tight. Not only are they very tight, first of all, there are two things that are pissing off the left today. One is that Pence apparently calls Karen, he calls his wife mother. The reason presumably he calls his wife mother is when I'm in front of my kids, when I'm in front of my two children who are under the age of three, I call my wife mommy because they call her mommy. It would be really weird if I said to her, you know her name, and then my and then my kids didn't know the difference between more and mommy, and so they got all they got all confused. But in any case, my guess is that it probably just became a habit, and so he calls her the same thing that he called her in front of his kids. That's probably my guess there. It's not that crazy. It's not something that I do when I'm alone with my wife. I don't call her by the name I use in front of my kids, but it's not that uncommon and it's not that crazy. But this is the part that that is that is driving people absolutely nuts. So apparently. It says in this article, the Pences were married in a Roman Catholic church in 1985, later became evangelical. In 2002, Mike Pence told The Hill he never eats alone with a woman other than his wife and that he won't attend events featuring alcohol without her by his side either. 
This one line has driven the left utterly insane. He's a sexist. He's a homophobe. I don't know why he's a homophobe because of that. He's a sexist. He's, he's terrible. It's just awful. He won't eat alone with women other than his wife. Imagine the kind of job opportunities he's denied to women because he won't eat alone with them without his wife present or without somebody else present. Imagine all the sorts of job opportunities that, he, that have been lost because he won't drink alone with women at a party. Okay, so number one, they can show zero evidence at all. Like, not one shred... This is the part that's, that's missing. They can't show evidence at all that Mike Pence has ever penalized women in his public life for not being able to go out to dinner with them or, or spend lots of friendly time with them. Now, I will say to you that I personally don't spend lots of time outside the office with anybody, right? I'm, I'm with my family almost all the time that I'm not in the office because I'm a family person. I'm not a friends person. I do think there's a difference. But even if that were the case, according to Jewish law, what Pence is doing is pretty much approved according to Jewish law. Jewish law has something called Yichud. Yichud essentially states that you can't be alone in a room with a woman as a man unless the door is open and other people are present outside the door. The reason for that is because you don't want there to even be a suspicion that there may be something going on. Now, that's not sexist, because the same thing holds true for a woman with a man, okay? It's not sexist. It applies to everyone. Why? Because to pretend that men and women are not sexually attracted to each other as long as they're doing business is just stupid. And to pretend that they're certainly not sexually attracted to each other when they're doing business alone and drinking alone is just idiotic, ignores human nature and all the rest. If Mike Pence wants to set up a fence for himself and his wife around good behavior, I, I fail to see how that's a problem. Bill Clinton was alone with lots of other women doing lots of different kinds of business for many years. That seems to me a bigger problem than Mike Pence doesn't want to go into a room alone with a woman and stay there for an hour because, let's be frank about this, there is also the problem in politics that the press will assume that if you went into a room alone with a woman as a man, they are having an affair with her. How do we know this? Because in the last election cycle, Ted Cruz was accused of having sex with every woman he was ever alone in a room with by the National Enquirer, and someone by the name of Donald Trump promulgated that rumor. And so this idea that it's just totally crazy to, to, to want to avoid situations where you could even be accused of being involved in something like this or raise a suspicion in your spouse's mind of something like this, it's just, it's just silly and it's an attempt to get Pence on a nonsense issue that really, look, the guy has a working marriage for, for what, 40 years now? Well, let's see, 30, 32 years now? They're married in 85, so they've been married for 32 years. They've got a working marriage. I don't think Democrats have a leg to stand on when their heroes are people like Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and Anthony Weiner. I, I don't think they have a leg to stand on when they talk about the behavior that people should engage in within their marriage in order to ensure fidelity within marriage. Oh, what a terrible guy. He hangs out with his wife too much. Oh, what an awful guy. Out of respect for his wife, he doesn't want to have there be rumors about him having an affair with another woman by going into a room alone with her frequently. Ooh, what a terrible person. And by the way, do you think that the left would be any more sanguine about this particular report if Pence had said that he won't go alone with any attractive woman? Or would they have just said that makes him even more sexist? Right, because what, he doesn't want to have sex with ugly women? Like, this whole thing is really, really stupid, but that is what the left is on these particular issues. When it comes to issues of sex, they pretend that what is true is false and what is false is true, but that's the extent to which they will go in order to hit Mike Pence. He's the Taliban or something because... He doesn't want to betray his wife's confidence by going alone into rooms with women on a regular basis and drinking with them. Just what what absolute stupidity. Okay, time for some stuff I like, thing I hate, and then the mailbag. So, stuff I like. I've been doing betrayal movies this week, um, and so or, and betrayal books. This this movie was that there was an older version of the Italian Job which I've never seen. I don't did I see? I may have seen it at one point. It wasn't particularly memorable. The new version of the Italian Job, the one with Mark Wahlberg and Ed, uh, who is it? Ed Ed Norton. I think uh, it's it's actually a really fun, good movie, um, and um, and it's the, the betrayal happens right at the beginning. Then the whole 
rest of the movie is all about them trying to take revenge upon the person who betrayed them. Uh, Donald Sutherland is in it for like five seconds. Uh, Charlize Theron is in it. Very charming. Uh, here is a, a bit of the Italian job. Daddy, come by. We'll have some breakfast. It'll be a long trip. I'm in Venice. Learn the language of poetry, art, romance, sex. <laughs> Unlike you, my friend, I don't need a guidebook. The plan was flawless. The next 45 minutes, we own this place, gentlemen. Okay, Steve, it's right above you. The heist was perfect. The escape was clean. What are you going to do with your share? I'm going to get a Nat T770 with the 70 watt amps and Burr Brown VACs. It's a big stereo. Speakers so loud they blow women's clothes off. The only threat was the one they never saw coming. What the hell are you doing? I a few plans of my own. There's nowhere you can go or we won't find you. That's probably right, John. This summer. Barnum Stella. It's in Los Angeles. Stealing that gold is not going to bring my father back. It's not about the gold. John was like a father to me, too. And I just can't move on until I've set things right. They're not in it for the pay. Hey, Steve. Gang's all here. You have no idea how hard it is for me not to reach across this table and kill you. You want to start the game up again? That's fine with me. They're in it for the payback. Come on! You'll try to take out my guards. I have five of them that you don't know about. I don't do dogs. I had a real bad experience. What happened? I had a bad experience. You tried to hack. The movie's great. It's really entertaining. It's really fun. A very rewatchable film. Uh, so you can check that out tonight. This is a good kind of it's a good fun flick to watch with it with your spouse um, and not with a, a woman of the opposite sex alone on a couch at night with drinks. You idiot leftists. Okay, other things that I like. I saw this yesterday and I could not stop laughing. So Ronaldo's a very, very famous soccer player and, uh, and he was, um, they, they dedicated a statue to him at this stadium in, uh, I think it was Portugal. And the statue of him, let's just say it does not look very much like Ronaldo. Here's what the statue actually looks like. Portugal's Madeira Island International Airport was renamed after Cristiano Ronaldo, the Real Madrid soccer star, in honor of the island being his homeland. The rebrand, the airport, is now named Aeroporto. Cristiano Ronaldo received mixed reviews, but it was overshadowed by the statue that was built along with it. <laughs> okay, can you pause it on that statue at the end for a second? Do we have that... So it looks like something out of the Goonies. I mean, it looks like the, the the statue was possessed by the spirit of Satan right as they opened this thing, because that's not what Ronaldo looks like at all. He does not look like a deformed human being. But here in that statue, it it's just hilarious. <laughs> you had one job, gang. You had one job, and you came away with the possessed-looking statue uh, from a Stephen King novel that's going to come to life and murder all the children. So... I love that very, very much. I couldn't. I saw that yesterday, and I just could not stop laughing at it. Uh, just spectacular. Okay, the, uh, a thing I hate. A uh, thing I hate. There's a video that a bunch of lefties have put out, and uh, the video that a bunch of lefties have put out uh, is this left-wing video pushing healthcare with women getting in various stages of undress. Uh, th these are the same people, by the way, who say it's just terrible that Mike Pence won't go out alone with a woman. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that they push in order to push politics. Hi there, the internet. It's me. A woman. You may recognize me from TV, movies, magazines, or late-night Google searches. You've probably thought about touching my breasts. Or wonder what I look like as a naked cartoon character. It doesn't matter where you first saw me. Maybe it was a Maxim spread. Your favorite soapy teen drama. Maybe it was a music video. Or a genuine work of art where I stretched myself and showed my range. 
You don't remember that last one, do you? That's okay. I'm here to remind you that while you may be super familiar with the outside of my body, my body also has an inside, including a pretty hefty amount of reproductive organs. And in order to keep those reproductive organs fully functioning, they need some motherfucking healthcare. What? What? I'm, I'm, I'm confused. So, so let me get this straight. You're basically saying that you're hot, and therefore I'm supposed to pay for your birth control pills? That's weird. That's not a very good argument. Also, I love that these women say, I don't want to be objectified. Under no circumstances do I wish to be objectified, but here I am. Objectify me so long as you pay for my health care. Well done, feminists. You've really done a world of good for your own cause. Okay, time for the mailbag. Let's get right into it. Greg says... Hi, Ben. I know some Christians view Jesus as the perfect sacrifice that erases our sins. Prior to Jesus, there were animal sacrifices to symbolize this. Since the Jewish community does not believe that Jesus is that, how do they sacrifice nowadays? I'm not very well studied on this. I hope this question makes sense. It does make perfect sense, actually. Uh, in, in Judaism, the basic idea was that there was a morning sacrifice, an afternoon sacrifice, and an evening sacrifice. And the Jewish prayer services are based on those sacrifices. So the idea that was that when the sacrifices went away with the destruction of the temple, those were replaced by the prayer services that we do. This is why on Sabbath we have an extra prayer service. It's called Musaf. That was because there was an additional sacrifice. Musaf literally means additional. It was an additional sacrifice. So you do an additional prayer service on Saturday. So literally the, the Jewish prayer services match up precisely with the sacrifices that were given on a regular basis at the temple. Jake says, do you think that people should have to manage their own money for retirement rather than dumping money into Social Security for others to benefit from. Why or why not? Yes. I think that you should have to manage your own money, or at the very least, if you want the government to handle your money, then you should have to opt in. It should not be an opt it should not be a system where you have no option at all. You can't even opt out. Let's say that you even imposed a system that was sort of like what what I think that um, Cass Sunstein would suggest in his book, Nudge, where it's an automatic opt-in system where the default is that the government's gonna take a certain percentage of your income and stick it in a savings account for you. You know, I should be able to opt out of that if I so choose. The reason the government doesn't want that is they're afraid a lot of dumb people will take all their money out of their savings and immediately spend it up the wazoo. The, the whole point here is that the government has no right to tell me how to save for my retirement, especially when that money ain't going to be there for my retirement. All the money's going to be gone, right? All the money will be gone forthwith by the time I hit retirement. I'm 33. By the time I hit retirement in another 22 years, if the, if the retirement age is 65 instead of 67, which it probably will be, in another 22, 32 years, rather, that money will not be there. The whole system will be bankrupt within the next 15. Tyson says, As a 19-year-old, I'm told by my family and my peers that my generation is the worst generation ever. Why is, it, why is that? Is it because of us? Is it because of our upbringing? Is it entirely our fault? Or is the blame slip between us and, and our parents? So I don't know that we're the worst generation in history. There have been some pretty terrible generations in, in human history. Uh, we are a pretty bad generation in the sense that we're apathetic. We, we Although, you know, there are studies that tend to show we're not super apathetic. I would say ignorant about politics. I would say lack of responsibility, a training to be adolescents until you're 30. And that really isn't our fault in the sense that an entire culture promulgated this because of the baby boomers. The worst generation in American history are the baby boomers. The baby boomers are just awful. The baby boomers were not responsible for the civil rights movement. They were not responsible for any of the gains of the 1960s. Uh, the baby boomers were, were really responsible for the decline of American society. Um, it re the people who actually did most of the major change in, in the 1960s were not all the people protesting on college campuses and rioting in the streets. It was the politicians who were actually members of the greatest generation uh, who were a little bit older. Remember, those people were 40 in 1960. It, was the people who, it wasn't the people who were 17 in 1960 who were actually making all the big changes in American society counter to public perception. Um, yeah, as far as us, we're the children of the baby boomers, which means that we start off at a, a major disadvantage as a general rule. 
Leon says, in the spirit of Jeff Flake, would you rather a romantic date night with Elizabeth Warren and you have to kiss her at least once, leave your kids in the care of Hillary Clinton for a day, get your face Botox Pelosi style? P.S. Can you include the rest of the Old Testament in the Bible study? Thanks, Leon. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to include the rest of the Old Testament if we have enough time. Um, as far as this particular question, okay, um, I'm going to go no on getting on, on the romantic date night with Elizabeth Warren. I know Professor Warren when she was at Harvard Law School. Uh, even when I wasn't married, that was not something that would be uh, at all appealing. I am married now, so that is a, a really bad thing, so no. Uh, leave your kids in the care of Hillary, of Hillary Clinton for a day. I'm actually, here's the thing. I actually don't think that Hillary would be that awful with my kids. I know that's terrible to say because I'm a Republican, but I actually don't think that Hillary would eat my children. I think that, that, you know, I don't trust her with a lot of things, but I would actually probably trust Hillary Clinton to babysit my kids before I trust Trump to babysit my kids. Seriously. Because I don't think that Trump is a responsible person. I think he'd probably abandon my kids and go in, you know, find a Lamborghini and a hot supermodel or something. Like, he's not, if you had, if you just had a babysitting service and it was Hillary versus Trump, you'd probably call Hillary. Like, Hillary, put everything else aside, she is, she is a, I don't think she's an irresponsible, I think she's a corrupt, deeply nasty person, but I don't think that she's an irresponsible person, per se. Um, uh, and, uh, and so, which is why I think that what happened in Benghazi wasn't a matter of irresponsibility. I think it was a matter of, of direct responsibility. Uh, but in any case, um, that would be the one that I would choose. I'd leave my kids in the care of Hillary Clinton. I think that Hillary knows that there would be significantly legal liability, at the very least, if she did something to my kids. Uh, and so uh, that, that would be the one that I would fear the least of those three. Uh, getting my face Botox Pelosi style, I don't know. if it, you know Maybe that would be an option, depending on how long the Botox would last. If it was like permanent Pelosi, then forget it. Robert says, what is the most rebellious thing you did as a teenager? Ooh, rebellious thing I did as a teenager. I was not a rebel as a teenager, so this is a, this is a tough one. Um, I think probably the most rebellious thing that I did as a teenager is there was there was uh, the school that I went to. There was a uh, there was a teacher who was found to have been at a previous school. Uh, he had an affair with uh, he he molested a sixteen year old tennis student of his, uh, and after he was fired, I went and I posted wanted posters around the school uh, for the guy. So that that got me in a little bit of trouble with the administration, but that was. As you may notice, that was even even then I was a law and order guy, right? <laughs> so the, the the idea that I I really was not particularly rebellious. I was a virgin until marriage. I've never tried drugs. Um, I'm about as clean uh, in my record as it is possible to be on on all of this stuff. I think I've been in a fight with my dad like three times, maybe, um, in my entire life. So I yeah, this is not. You know, my, my rebellion comes out in the form of politics. I, I rebel against the prevailing oligarchy that suggests that they get to control me. That's where my rebellion comes out. Trey says, hey, Ben, I often hear the explanation that trans women don't feel like a woman, but they think they think they feel like a man and vice versa for trans women. How can any child have a complete sense of what their own sex and gender means as well as the opposite sex and gender? How could they know that what they're feeling is man or woman without an understanding of either? This is a great question. There is no answer to it. It's like Rachel Dolezal saying that she knows what it's like to be back, black, except significantly worse. Um, because you can't, if you, if you are a male, you don't know what it's like to be a female because they are entirely different wings of the species. I mean, male and female are not the same thing. Uh, Dan says, hi, Ben, why should people stay together in a failing marriage? So I don't know that people should stay together. Uh, I don't know. It, I don't, it depends what it means by failing marriage. Can it be saved? Is it possible for them to work together, uh, to work things out? It, it, that's not enough information for me to really say. If you're saying the marriage is definitely going to fail, they're going to be miserable with each other, hate each other, smack each other, yell at each other all day long. Uh, the answer is they probably shouldn't. If they have kids, they should. 
because it is more because the marriage was not about you and your personal sex life and happiness. The marriage was about the generation and raising of children, and you have an obligation to make your marriage better, no matter how failing it may be, at least until the kids are out of the house, because the kids are the first priority, uh, not you and your happiness. If you and your happiness are the first priority, then maybe you should have thought about that before you had a bunch of people, a bunch of small humans who are dependent on you. Victor says, hey, Ben, it seems to me that people are increasingly using the terms fascism and communism very loosely nowadays without knowing what they truly mean. Could you explain what fascism and communism actually mean and the key differences between them. Why is it that one is referred to as being extreme right and the other is extreme left? So this is a really complex question. So let me do this in real short form. Communism means the state ownership of all forms of production, all means of production. Socialism is is kind of a softer form of communism, supposedly, uh, in which the state doesn't necessarily own the means of production. It just restricts the means of production and uses them for distribution. And that's like the social democrat countries of Northern Europe. Uh, this is the, the sort of socialism that Bernie Sanders likes. Uh, fascism is really more of a mode than it is a than it is a philosophy. So fascism it can be left wing and it can be right wing. Stalin was actually a fascist because he believed in state control of every aspect of your life. Fascism is uh, is almost always connected with a. It's never been connected with small government. So fascism and communism really are both on the left. The, the reason that it's called right wing is because in Europe, the right is still on the left. So if you look back at European fascism, if you look at German style fascism, for example, the Nationalist Socialist Party, the Nazi Party, they were to the right in, in German politics because they were the right to the communists. The brown shirts were actually fighting the communists in Nazi Germany because they felt that they didn't want to be part of this grand international that was going to turn the entire world communist. Fascism was nationalistic predominantly in, in places like Germany um, and uh, in places like Hungary at the same time, for example. Uh, fascism was all always about state control of the individual and the collective trumping the individual. Um, but very often they would work in terms of corporatism, looking much more like a democratic socialist country than like a communist country. So I think it's fair to say that democratic socialism and fascism are basically, if you have a spectrum, it goes fascism, democratic socialism, communism. Right, that's sort of the spectrum. But American conservatism is way the hell out here. American conservatism has nothing to do with fascism. American conservatism, this is why... What troubled me about this election cycle and the way that it was run is that American conservatism is something unique and different in the history of the world. This idea that limited government preserves individual freedom and responsibility, that's something the Europeans never thought of. It's something that Europeans never really considered, uh, at least in terms of implementation, aside from philosophers like John Locke. The idea that fascism, European-style fascism, uh, is in any way related to American conservatism is idiotic. The problem that I see now is that the American right not that it's fascist, but it is, it is, a, it is a, just a nationalistic version of democratic socialism in many ways. Thinking the government ought to be involved in things like health care. The government ought to be involved in redistribution of wealth. The government's job is to be involved in a great oligarchy that is run by the state. And it's just a question of who runs it and whether we let immigrants in, right? That's sort of the difference between Marine Le Pen and Francois Hollande in France. It really, there isn't like a huge difference in terms of what they think the size of government ought to be. It's what they think that government ought to be doing. So that's the difference between fascism and communism and social democracy in a very two-minute summary. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the week, right? It's Thursday. I've lost all track of time. I'm speaking at, Not at uh, Notre Dame today. Uh, go say hello to Touchdown Jesus. So we'll, we'll, go, uh, we'll go speak at Notre Dame today. Uh, and then next week, we'll be over at University of Florida. We'll keep you updated from the road. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. 
Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 